Hi there, this is Jim the Keys Bartender coming to you from a beautiful Key Largo. Keys Bartender Podcast is about bartending and life in general here in the Keys. Well, if you are in the bar uh, business, this is probably, I guess it's more of a discussion instead of informative. I just wanted to talk about how I handle a particular situation. So this past week, um, two gentlemen came in right around, I'd have to say, 20 after 10. Our kitchen closes at 10. We start closing down. We're usually out of there by 11.15, 11.30. And uh, these young fellows, I found out through conversation, came in um, just for a drink. So I told them, I said, hey, the kitchen is closed. And I said, we're only here for a drink. And they start... Uh, by walking to the part of the bar because it's already after the kitchen closed where I start stacking up supplies when I start cleaning up. So I said, why don't you just, here's a whole bunch, two-thirds of the bars open here. Why don't you sit over here? So <clears throat> I I sit down there very young. So naturally I do. I say, listen, may I see your ID? And you put the ID. And in Florida, the IDs have, um, when someone's recently turned 21, their identification instead of portrait, uh, it's it's set landscape and side to side instead of up and down. Um, but when they're younger, it's up and down, meaning their picture will be on. Oh God, it's it's hard to describe, but it's just oriented differently. So it makes you pay closer attention to the dates, the born dates, the. Uh, the birth date on the card. So these guys ended up being uh, about 22 or 21. They, they've, uh, you know, they, their birth dates were on, uh, were 2001. Boy, that makes you really feel old. I was already pretty much middle-aged when they were born, but here they come into the bar. So generally, you know, towards the end of night, after a busy night, I'm ready to pack it in. But I told him, I said, hey, yeah, you can have a drink. And these guys, uh, I saw one was wearing a, a Greek uh, a fraternity shirt, a Greek. You know, we called it Greek when we were in um, college. The Greek system. And he was wearing a fraternity shirt. I was in a fraternity. I don't judge guys generally. But the one wearing a fraternity shirt, and I was friends with guys in this fraternity, and there's probably thousands and thousands of this chapter. It's, it's a popular fraternity. Uh, he just seemed a little more wise-assy in there. But I was about to give him a break. I was trying, I'm trying to check to see what my behavior was like. But I told the guys, I said, yeah, sure, I'll serve him a drink. And through a little time here with them, I found out what they were up to. And what they were doing is they were camping about four miles south and they had walked from there and hit all the bars and they stopped along the way to have drinks and they were going north so they were coming from mile marker 90 I think they staying at a campground they said 97 I don't know of a campground around that but I think they were probably closer to 101 because there's no no campground south of there, but they said they were camping. So they were walking north and they were asking about different bars and things like that. And I'm trying to clean up. It's the end of the night. Pack it in. Ready. 
So I'm talking to them, and they are asking my name and all that. And uh, so the one with the fraternity shirt, he, he starts making side statements. And it just has that, I, I don't know if it's from the liquor or it's just his general demeanor. He just came off as a wise ass. And, you know, it takes a wise ass to catch a wise ass, I guess. I, I think that my, my hackles went up because this guy, I may have at one time behaved like this guy. Maybe, maybe I did. But uh, this guy had no sense of the room when he came in. He didn't realize, he said, hey, we're ready to close up. How about let me do my job and stop asking me a bunch of questions, right? I said it nicer, though. I said, well, listen, I'm, I'd like to close up and stuff like that. But, yeah, you'll be heading north after this stuff. So I, I ended up closing them real quick because they were the last two there. And they kept asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. And finally I said, listen, this, would you let me, you know, keep on calling me down at a bar. Let me clean up down here and you, you guys enjoy your drinks. Oh, we just want to get information. I'm like, oh, man, come on. Give me a break. So... Um, Finally, I said, uh, I answered a question and stuff like that. And then the guy with the Greek lettered shirt, the fraternity shirt, says, hey, why are you acting like an asshole? And, and I went, what? He says, yeah, you're being an asshole. And I said, well, you're being thrown out. And he goes, what? I said, you're done drinking here. And they had told me previously they're going to be back in August. I said, well, now you're not going to be here in August. And they said, we could come here. I said, yeah, but you won't be served at the bar. You're banned from the bar. And one of the fellas was much nicer than the other guy. And I said to the guy, I said, you're welcome back. But he's not welcome back. And then he kept on getting the guy. He's apologizing. The other guy, he's doubling down. And he says, well, we get to finish our beer. And I said... Maybe. And they go, really? And I said, listen, if you're lucky, I won't call the bar ahead of you and tell them that you're acting like assholes and they'll be ready for you. And with that kind of attitude, you'll get thrown out right away. So just, you know, finish your drinks and get out of here. And what was really interesting, there were three, uh, there were two state troopers and uh, two sheriff's deputies in our parking lot that were investigating a, a traffic incident. So I didn't say anything to these guys about that. And they were just walking. So I, I was thinking in my head, I said, well, listen, I don't want to get in any trouble with these guys and stuff like that. Not that I couldn't handle it. They were bigger guys, but I'm a big guy too. So I just said, you're going to just leave. And he goes, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm not going to serve you. You can just stay here. You know, or, you know, you're not having another drink. You're not going to get another drink. The longer you stay here, the more we remember you. And then maybe we'll think about calling ahead to the next couple of bars. I said, there's two guys coming in there. You know, one of them's belligerent. You may want to think about serving them, not serving them. So they said, you do that? And I said, well, listen, if you're going to be vindictive, I can be vindictive. But let's let, leave it at this. You've, you've shot your load. You said what you had to say. And now we're done. So it was stepping up, stepping up, stepping up. And I realized in the end, I wasn't really helping it. I wasn't really helping it. All I had to do was say, listen, you know, I could have probably stopped it before they said asshole. He said asshole. Now that was, 
that when he ventured out, he was drinking, I wasn't. So he had an excuse. And some of your bartenders in there say, listen, I would automatically think I would have, you know, done this, done that. So, well, listen, I just made the call and I said they were done. He was out of there. And the one guy who had the Greek shirt on, the one, the primary of the only offender, really. I guess he was he was such a disruptive person compared to the other one that I even forgot. I, I remember the other one's name. I'm not going to say it. Because he seemed like a nice guy. It just seems like this guy, he just started drinking. And this is the way you're going to be behaving. I think he may he may have a nice long career ahead of him. But you're going to have to watch out for this stuff. Because I've done this every so often. There are people that come in. And they're oil and water. I get it's one out of, God, one out of a thousand, I would have to say. And Jim, you ask, well, how can you say one out of a thousand? I said, well, it happens maybe two or three times a year. One person comes in and they're seem bent on the goal of being disruptive or being, uh, I guess, they're attention seeking or, or they're not feeling so good. I had a woman uh, about... A month and a half ago, she came in with some friends and she ordered a, uh, a White Claw. And I'm not a big fan of the White Claws for one reason. They have different flavors. They have come in mixed set cans. Now you could buy, you know, pineapple, blackberry, cherry, strawberry, whatever. They have black cherry, strawberry, and stuff like that and have them there. But most places, they get the mixed uh, six packs. And with the mixed six packs, people started going to say, I only like pineapple. And they have these, the cans have these color tabs that kind of give a hint at what the flavor is. So when you're looking down, you don't have to read it. You know, they, they I guess they figure out that most of these places are going to be pulled out of a beer fridge. And a lot of them are uh, low beer fridges that you open a top lid. It's a sliding lid and you pull them out. And. The pineapple has a green tab, and so does lime. And I think she wanted a lime, and I gave her a pineapple. And she started drinking, and she goes, oh, I don't like this. This is pineapple. She gave it back. And uh, I said, okay. I took it off. I didn't put it on their bill and stuff like that. And she goes, do you have any lime? I said, I'm sorry. I don't have any lime. And she goes, well, I'm not drinking at all. And he said, well, really? I mean, I can make you. I can make you a vodka and club soda with a little lime juice. That'd be pretty much the same thing. And she wasn't having any of it. She was just going to be angry and disappointed. And she got what she wished for. It seemed like that was her goal, to be angry and disappointed. The rest of the people were having a good time and they were you know, happy to see me. She wasn't so happy. And I remember that one. So if they were looking to be memorable or anything like that, they certainly achieved their goals. But you don't have to pick up the rope. You don't have to pick up the rope. But for some reason, at the end of the night, I'm here I am thinking about those people. Thinking about them in a negative way. They're living in my head and I shouldn't be. Because I don't know what's going on with them. And they could be as, you know, they're not probably riding on a high from being thought of as a 
difficult person. I remember during COVID, they had this uh, mask rule, and it was kind of goofy. I understand it was goofy, but we were right across from our, um, where our restaurant situated is right across from our government building. And uh, to reiterate this, at the time in Monroe County, Florida, they had a rule in restaurants. When you enter a restaurant, you have to have a mask. And you go to your table and you sit down, you can take your mask off, which I know in, in retrospect sounds very ridiculous. But that rule was accompanied by violations you get fined. And the uh, owners of the establishment did not want to get fined. They, you know, after COVID, we were running on a very narrow profit margin because of being closed so long. Uh, that we just want, we didn't want any additional, you know, cost and fines or cost. And if we got you get multiple ones, we don't know about. No one got closed at the time. Eventually, they just let it go. It wasn't a problem. But we had a group of guys and they came down. I'm going to have to say it was a bunch of motorcycle guys, middle, middle-aged motorcycle guys, motorcycle club, not a motorcycle gang, motorcycle club. And all the guys were wearing masks when they come in except one. And uh, they came in. And one guy didn't have it. And I just said, hey, listen, you got to have a mask when you go to the table, blah, blah, blah. I said, sir, come over here. You got to get a mask. And he started screaming at me. He called me a a mother Fletcher. Fill in the blank for the second part of that word. And I went back with the, uh, you know, with the raising my voice and sound like this. He goes, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to get you. And the guy's saying that. And I said, I didn't say, I didn't say I'm going to get you. I said, uh, F you. I said, I got we're yelling at each other. I got picked up in because the guy started because he started right in to do it to me. And I felt like I guess it was kind of like the prison thing. When you go into prison, you go in there and you pick on the biggest guy to show how tough you are. Right? And we were both doing that and said you can't be disrespected. You're you're not from, from behind the bar, there's a unique situation for some people, bartender. You want to be, if you're me, and a lot of you people are do your own thing. I understand that. But I just want to be well thought of. Not, I don't have to be loved. There's a decent bartender, reasonably well-liked, reasonably well-respected, and not disrespected. And someone screaming at you in public, they feel they're being dis- disrespected. And I guess that guy thought he was being disrespected. And I was trying to just enforce the mask rule, which, you know, in retrospect, I just should have just left it. Just left it at that point. I see that. I see that. But this guy stepped it up way above that line. His reaction to my purposes were, were way out of proportion. And I remember that. That was one of the worst ones. Another one, I had a guy, poor guy, I'm sure was homeless. And uh, he had a bike and he had a trailer with all this stuff. A bike with a trailer. When I say bike, not a motorcycle, a bicycle with a small trailer. And the guy came in and he ordered a Long Island iced tea. 
And he was talking about, and it was interesting, he was talking about respect. He wanted to be respected, blah, 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 blah. And he kept on going out. And he says, no, I don't want someone telling me when to drink, when not to drink, blah, blah. And I said, well, uh, I heard that. And I said, well, sir, even though you are in the Keys, you can't drink in an establishment to inebriation or apparent intoxication. It's just one of those things. You're not, you know, we're not allowed to let someone go way above the limit and stuff like that. And you could tell by their behaviors most of the time. So he amped it up more and more. Now he, I tried to be a little polite there. And some of the people around me, uh, they said, oh, I was going to step in. I said, there's no reason you had to step in. The guy was, uh, he appeared to be about, he, we probably were the same age, but he appeared to be about 15 years older than me. And I said, I guess that's a humble brag. That's that's shitty. I, I know that's shitty. But the guy kept on going up, up, up. I said, okay, well, now you got to get, you, you know, you just did it. Now you got to get out of here. And he goes, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, well, I'm going to give you your money back. And I'm going to give you, uh, I'll let you finish your drink. I'll give you your money back and you got to leave. And the poor guy left. And I know he was having issues because later on that night, and I uh, noticed one of my one of my coworkers actually noticed. They said, "Check check out uh, Monroe County arrest records. There's uh, your friend." And the poor guy got arrested. Not a half hour later. Now I hope I didn't trigger the guy to get angry and stuff like that. But he got arrested with his bike and stuff like that. I don't know what they did with the bike. I hope they didn't leave it behind to me and all that stuff. But. Uh, I didn't have to pick up the rope. I just say I could have. There was probably nothing I could do to stop that guy from losing it. In the first two instances, or three instances, with the young fella, the woman with the white claw, and the guy with the mask, I definitely had a hand to play in that. The third one, I think the guy was going to lose it no matter what. So be careful what you say to people. Try to think, especially when we're behind. Try to you, you want to balance. You want your respect for your, you know, as a person. But then again, you don't need to have, uh, you know, big disruption at your bar. Let's move on. While I started my computer, I'm just thinking. I was reflecting back. It's not more than. It's about 22 years ago, 23 years ago. I had. Um, I did not have a computer. I did not have a laptop at my home. I used computers at home and at my jobs. I definitely had done that. But about 23, 24 years ago, most of the computers you found at jobs were work-specific. You know, 25, 26 years ago, they were work-specific. You know, some you could use them for other things. You can go on the Internet because I think back then you had dial-up internet mainly. And then they started introducing DSL and things like that. But computers weren't ubiquitous in households, laptops and things like that, smart television. It's uh, 23, 24 years ago, most people didn't have cell phones. Uh, most people didn't have laptops. Most people have computers were uh, more reasonable than laptops at the time. Now it seems to be laptops are the primary way people uh, get on the internet 
and store their data and stuff like because it's so handy and it's so easy to bring you don't need a, a big cpu but you see how quickly that changed you know in the space of 25 years and about 20 years before that so i'm talking 25 years through 1980 maybe in the 70s there was a book that came out and i mentioned this hundreds of episodes ago there was a book called future shock and it was nonfiction. And it was about the trend of new technology coming uh, faster and faster, being introduced and being intertwined with our lives. That we're, we'd be in constant, let's say, uh, confusion over the pace of the technological change. And we would not be able to adapt to it. Well, the funny thing about humans, we are very resilient and adaptable. And what Future Shock did not realize is that the pace of the technological change became, we became accustomed to it. So first you had computers, then you had, you know, when Apple came out with their, uh, or IBM came out with their or Commodore came out with their computer. And you started seeing, when I started seeing computers in my, in my high school, and then they made, it was a quick, at the engineering school I went to, and I wasn't an engineer, but the second year I was there, they required all entering freshmen to have a desktop computer. And it was the Macintosh, the Apple Macintosh, 1983, or yeah, it was the fall of 83. And Back then, those it, it was so um, the computer was more of a uh, I have to call it like a a two tone. It was a, a a a gray background with black text, but it had some games. It had it was a big word processor. It pretty much was a big word processor. They wanted you to have, and the uh, the the first. And I'm here, I'm stammering. The first computers were a little more than a, uh, a typewriter where you can store things. And I remember back then messing around with these things and uh, uh, these desktop computers. And you had to save. If you didn't save, if you were typing a six-page paper, you could end up losing it all. So luckily, my college career, I was, using a, I was able to use a typewriter most of the time. Because they didn't automatically save. Computers, when you shut them down, did not automatically save your work. It says you didn't save it. And that's, I guess, for some programs uh, people were using, that's up until like 10, 15 years ago. That could still have happened. But most of the time, you would think about 15 years ago, it started, or even before then, when you lost uh, internet connection or power or shut down uh, unexpectedly, you could save, everything would be saved. And it would save internally. And then you'd have to have a, a floppy disk or a hard disk. And the hard disk had woefully minimum storage capacity. And nowadays, there's so much you can email, you can email your, your whole uh, file to something. It's so great. And now, and here I am. I could not foresee or even speculate that we would be doing home broadcasting. Yes, 
back in the 40s or whatever when ham radio was introduced. People were broadcasting, but they had to have FCC licenses in order to have it. You had to have the ham operator license. And that was where uh, a radio you can talk to other people with. But I guess that kind of started looking weird after a while because they said, why use a ham, ra- ham radio? Because everyone has telephones. But these were people, some people, I remember when people say ham radio operators are lonely people or uh, survivalist uh, or, you know, end of the world kind of people. They just say, you know, if you have a ham ham radio, that's that's the one thing you have to have. And in, in, in all these... Um, end of the world scenarios a ham radio was one of these things because if someone had a ham radio and electricity they'd be able to connect now with computers you need to have a network a network to um, to be able to communicate a lot of people don't appreciate that and don't appreciate the change in technologically uh, back in the 80s you had the introduction of the Walkman and it was a radio with a cassette player built in. Then they had the Walkman with the compact disc late, late in the, uh, the 80s, early 90s through then. And, but the, the disc were a pain in the ass because in the beginning, when you had the miniature compact disc, uh, it was kind of like the 8-track tape. You only store, what, 20 songs on it or something like that. And it would skip. It would skip all the time. The reader, I guess this is the way the compact disc would read. But you'd never foresee when those things come out, when cassettes first came out. Every step of the way, people thought that each development was amazing. You know, back in 1919, that's when, or 1917, that's when the first radio, 1919, the first private radio station started. I think it was 1919. I'm just pulling that out of my ass. And then for about 20 years, it was all airwaves, AM, AM, AM. And then prior to World War II, television is developed. The uh, Berlin Olympics is the first, one of the first broadcasts made. And you had television going on for a long time, the longest time. And I remember in 1976, we were coming up to the United States Bicentennial. And there was only one way to communicate in 1976 with someone that wasn't there other than ham radio and walkie-talkie. That's using the telephone. And so 1976, it was 100 years of the telephone. Nothing new came out of it, right? That's the way to communicate. You had the telephone, beepers. uh, Beepers were just coming around. Or people could get a signal and they could send a signal to and get a beep and see a phone number and you call the number and, you know, all that stuff. So that was 100 years. That was all the development up until 1976. And I remember on the phone book, yeah, it was Bell Telephone. And that's everyone had Bell Telephone or what was it, AT&T. But that's for, for long distance. And, uh, on the telephone, they showed the progression of, uh, on, in, seven, in 1976, the progression of uh, the phones. It said the centennial of the telephone. And they showed the first one, Alexander Graham Bell. And they showed the progression of different phones going from the 
the stand-up one where you had to hit the receiver handle to get the operator. And then you use the receiver handle to call another person. And then they invented the dial. It's funny today to watch kids try to use a dial phone because they don't even know what the hell that means. But dial phones, I think dial phones may still work if you had it hooked to a hard wire. And then they showed push button phones. They didn't even think about cordless phones yet, but they, uh, they started, well, I guess they started thinking about cordless phones. And then they showed the future and it was a baby, a picture of a baby on a screen and it's a telephone call. Now it would be quite a while before you're able to do a visual phone call with someone because they didn't quite figure out how to get all that data over the technological infrastructure they had then. And it wasn't until like the 2000s that really came about. And when you had enough speed to be able to transmit a picture. You ever hear that thing, a picture's worth a thousand words? That is That was definitely prior to the technological revolution, but it actually correctly portrays how much dense the information is for the picture. So all these things happen. We just got used to it. Just got used to those things. Obviously, it was with fits and starts. We started adopting them. The first cell phones I had were, you know, they were very cumbersome. I had a bag-in-the-box phone when I was working for in manufacturing. That wasn't the greatest phone call you could get. It, it was like the size of a World War II uh, radio. It was a you know, box where you take the phone off and stuff like that. And you plugged it into your cigarette lighter, unless it was hardwired into your car. And then they had the big-ass World War II handheld walkie-talkies, seemed like. That was the phones. And they just started getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And adapting with pictures and video. And, t- well, well, it was phone video, uh, phone text video. And then the phones became cameras. And, you know, every new technology came about. We adopted it. We became comfortable with it. Skype was such a big deal then. Now almost every application you use in social network has a video component to it where you can contact someone by video. So it's it's at this case when I'm here, I am scanning my laptop for viruses and things. Last week, I opened up my laptop and I had this, um, if you ever get one of these things, if you listen to this podcast and you are not adept at everything technologically, just remember when it says, do not shut off your computers, you, you have a virus, blah, 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 blah. You, you need to get that scanned. Don't click on anything. Call somebody, ask them what to do. Because what happens is when you try to call that person, the number they bring up a lot of times, it's a phishing attack. It's a scam. They're trying to get your call. They're trying to uh, download ransomware, get a hold of all your files. And then they go and say, it'd be $300 for you to do this. I got caught with this one time about, I think it was about 10, 12 years ago when one of these messages showed up. And I'm listening to them. I'm talking, I'm calling the person, and I remembered at the time when it says, well, it's going to cost you $300 to get this fixed. 
and I'll get you some, uh, you know, security software and stuff like that. The number I called. And then I thought, well, there's nothing on my laptop I really need. There's no information. I, I didn't do my banking on the laptop. I did my banking on my uh, smartphone at the time. So I thought to myself, I said, and I had most of my pictures backed up into the cloud or remotely. So I told the person, uh, I'm not going to pay. I don't want to worry about it. And uh, the, the woman who was on the phone got very upset and started yelling at me. And she goes, you kept me on the phone for 45 minutes. And I go, what? I had a problem with my phone. And then you tried to get, you know, you know three, $300 or some ridiculous amount of money from me, which it turned out was a bogus phone call because all I had to do was shut it down and reboot my computer. And after that, I made sure I had a very uh, tight security firewall and stuff like that. Same thing happened recently. I just kept everything on the computer. I didn't shut anything off. I just scanned, uh, you know, cleaned out any suspect files and my computer's working fine now. And technology w was very frustrating for a long time. There was very, it, it would take a while for me to figure out how to compress a file, zip a file, send a file, um, do, and if you're an avid listener of podcasts, just to run the sound file and edit the sound file so it could sound more presentable. That took a long time. But eventually, once you start doing it, and once you get adept at other things, the incremental changes that happen afterwards become much easier to adopt. And the person... I, the person who I was 20, 21 years ago would not be able to touch any of this stuff. And I did mention on previous episodes that, yeah, there are people that are functionally illiterate when it comes to technology. There are people. But the nice thing about this, if you skip all the last 20 years and you didn't have to learn any of that stuff, it'd be so much easier to learn the use, it's much more user-friendly now than it was previously. Same thing with the podcast. And when I started podcasting uh, almost seven years ago, so it's 2003, we're going to 2004. 2004, it's going to be seven years. But the podcasting has changed. I mean, I'm just using a lot. You don't need all, they, they still sell, um, I notice that they still sound, sell these, uh, podcasting bundles where you get the speaker and sound uh, uh, controller and all this stuff where you, you actually don't need that anymore. It's done for you. So this so, so technology changes so much it outstrips the equipment. There's a the technology or the let's say software or the online computing capabilities change so quick that the hardware technology gets left behind. And the same thing's going to be happening with like uh, cars, airplanes, almost everything, medical devices, televisions. My God, can you even buy a black and white television anymore? I, don't, I think not. Probably you can. You probably can buy a black and white television. That would be kind of weird. 
They're still they're still saying, uh, selling record players. Uh, some people are saying that you get a richer sound out of a record player, but I don't quite get that. How you can out of a, a high, uh, you know, highly compressed data file that's you know you can remaster how how a disc how a vinyl disc would sound better than a refined computer file. I just don't get that part, um, but there it is. So. I, I just want to be able to like embrace this and not being afraid of the change. There are things coming our way where you talk about artificial intelligence and we beat that to death, artificial intelligence. It's coming whether we want it or not. Whether we want it or not. You, if you think about it, the world would be so much better if we had not invented nuclear weapons, right? Didn't have that threat. When it, they just went to renewable, um, like through wind and solar, and forgot about nuclear and just put all our technology in that. But that was going to happen anyway, because during a war, people don't worry about that stuff. They need the most destructive wedding, weapons they have, and they got nuclear weapons. And nuclear weapons right now, nuclear, is it nuclear or nuclear? It's nuclear, I think. You know, the world, we can argue that the world would be a much better place without nuclear weapons and stuff like that. But they're here. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you could work to reduce it if we had, like, well-behaved international actors, which we don't right now. We can't really get rid of ours because the person that has the other big uh, stockpile weapons is an authoritarian uh, and has been known to threaten his neighbors. You know, that would be some world if it was just Putin with nuclear weapons and he'd be deciding and said, well, listen, if you don't get this, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I could just lob a nuclear weapon at you and you can't do anything about it because you don't have nuclear weapons. You can't respond in kind. And you could respond probably differently. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about artificial intelligence. And people say, well, you never know What's the uh, once artificial intelligence is leaps out of the box, leaps out of its restraints, that we're going to be um, subservient to a higher intelligence? Well, we may or may not be. There's really nothing we can do about it. We can all take pledges and say we will not use AI to harm anybody. We will try to develop responsibly and blah, 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 blah. But not everyone does that. There's not, not everyone, if you think about the 8 billion souls, not obviously 8 billion people are working on artificial intelligence, but there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people working on artificial intelligence, machine learning, and things like that. And more than a few of them will not be bound by any restrictions. So there's really nothing we can do about it, except be aware and live our, the, the best life we have. So you can be afraid of technology or you can embrace it. I'm here to embrace it. I think you should too, because eventually it's either gonna be our doom or our savior. It's gonna be there anyway. So try to make the most of it. This is Jim the Keys bartender. Take care until next time, bye.